We read in God's Word this evening, Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and, having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity 
Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God add His blessing to the reading of the Scriptures. The text that we consider this evening is the first half of the 14th verse of this chapter. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we saw a couple of weeks ago when we introduced this series going through Ephesians chapter 6, that God calls us to be a militant people. We militate not against each other as members of the body of Jesus Christ. We militate not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical enemy. But we are to be militant against the great enemy of the church, of Jesus Christ. We are to fight against the devil, who is described elsewhere in Scripture as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Against this enemy, God calls us to fight. Almighty God in heaven determines who will be His soldiers. He has called you to be His soldier. And He calls you to make use of the weapons and fight against the enemy. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war. For us to be successful in this battle against the devil, we need protection. God, in His tender love and affection for you, does not send you into the heat of the battle without the necessary protection. But He gives unto you that which you need so that you can stand up, withstand against the wiles, the methods of the devil. Six different pieces that are listed here as part of the Christian's armor. And the first piece of armor that God gives us is truth. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. It seems as one evaluates the church world of today, that the church is almost ashamed of this armor of truth. The church is glad to talk about the gospel, the good news. The church is glad to talk about peace, and love, and fellowship. But will the church take an unwavering stance on truth. 
Or is the church almost embarrassed of the fact that she has truth given to her and that truth separates her from the world? Let's consider this evening the girdle of truth. First we'll see its identity, then our girding, our putting on this truth, and then third, its significance. First we face the question of what was a girdle. It's not language that we commonly use today. And of what significance was a girdle to a Roman soldier? For the Jews who lived upon the earth at the time of Paul and even the Gentiles, they would have been very familiar with this idea of a Roman soldier because there were Roman soldiers stationed all over the place. So you didn't have to look hard to find a Roman soldier and see the particular armor that that soldier had. We don't have Roman soldiers stationed at the end of our streets, outside of our doors. And so we have to look at this from the perspective of the Jews and the Gentiles at this point in time. What, what would this girdle look like upon a Roman soldier? A girdle most basically is a belt. It, it's a leather strap. That would, be, that would go around the lower torso or the waist of a soldier. It would then either be buckled if there was some sort of a latch, or it could be tied together, knotted together, and, and tied in, a, in, a, in some, some form of a knot to hold that girdle or that belt in place. But then it raises the immediate question of what value is this girdle to a soldier? If you were to ask a child to draw a picture of a soldier, make sure you put on that picture all of the armor of that soldier. The child would probably think of the helmet. The child would think of the breastplate, perhaps, the shield to protect that soldier, but would the child think of putting a belt on the soldier? So why does Paul list this out here as the first piece of defensive equipment that the soldier is to have? There are two basic functions to the girdle for a Roman soldier. The first function of the girdle was it helped secure the clothing, what oftentimes was the loose clothing of the soldier in place. Soldiers at that time would wear what is called a tunic, which is somewhat like a modern day dress. It would be a loose, flowing sort of robe draped over the shoulders of the soldier. Now it's true that Roman soldiers did not have as long of a tunic. Some tunics would go down to the feet, but they understood 
that it was wise to shorten that up a little bit. So, so, so the, the tunic would go down perhaps to about the length of their knees. But even then, the tunic still was loose. And that tunic could uh, get in the way of the actions of the soldier. If the soldier needed to quick grab his sword from his side, well, if the tunic was loose or flapping, that tunic could get in the way of him grabbing his, his sword. And so the first function of the girdle was to hold in place all of the clothing of the soldier so that he could run freely without worrying about his tunic coming off or without worrying about his tunic getting in the way as he reached for his weapons. The second function that a girdle had for a Roman soldier was this. It was a place to store weapons. Oftentimes there would be on the girdle, the belt, a sheath, some sort of a leather holster. And in that sheath, then he could store, the soldier could carry either his knife or a sword, which then could be drawn readily from that sheath and used to fight against the enemy. In fact, you see part of the wisdom of the Apostle Paul here in even in the order in which he lists out these pieces of armor for the Christian. He doesn't tell the Christian first to pick up the sword, but first he says put on the girdle. You have to have your girdle in place first with the sheath on it so that when the time comes to pick up the sword, you can store the sword inside the sheath on the girdle. And so what then do both of these things show to us about the place of the girdle in the life of the soldier? Do not both of these things reveal unto us that they indicate preparedness on behalf of the soldier. If he is going to be ready to go out in battle, if he is going to have freedom of movement and not be cumbered down with his garments, if he is going to have all of his weapons in place, easily accessible on the side of his hip, it's necessary then that that soldier have that belt in place before the battle starts. You're not going to put the girdle on when you're in the heat of the battle. When the enemy is standing there face to face with you, you're not going to say, oh, right now would be a good time for me to put my girdle on. At that point, it's too late. The girdle gets put on ahead of time before you come into close quarters with the enemy. That's the idea here of a girdle. Now, Paul calls us here to have it girt, have girt about your loins, truth. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The girdle that you, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, are to put on yourself is the girdle of truth. And when Paul speaks here of 
truth. Paul is speaking of the objective reality that is the truth, the truths of God's Word. It is true that one can speak of truth from a subjective point of view. Truth from a subjective point of view means to be trustworthy, to be dependable. And that's an important implication of truth. If, if you have truth in your life, then you ought to be that person who is dependable, so that your yea is yea and your nay is nay. But that's not the primary emphasis here of the Apostle Paul. Paul says, take this and, and wrap this round about you. And that which you are to have wrapped about you, even as a belt or a girdle is wrapped about you, is the objective reality of the truths of God's Word. This is how you are going to be prepared to fight against the devil. Paul speaks of truth as truth is given by God Himself. Truth. It's the body of knowledge contained in the Old and New Testaments. Truth. It is what the devil hates. You see this, do you not? How the devil wars against truth. The spirit of our age is the spirit of postmodernism, taught in universities, even Christian universities. The idea that truth is subjective, it's fluid. What might be true for one individual is not necessarily truth for another individual. What was true in the past might not necessarily remain as truth in the future. And so many churches are caught up then in this thinking promoted by the world. Churches do so under the name of ecumenicity, saying that this is done out of a desire to show unity and solidarity with all other churches out there. And so they minimize the importance of truth, relegating truth to a lower position, saying that the great duty of the church is to join with all, other, all others who claim the name Jesus Christ. And yes, the Word of God does speak of the importance of fellowship and unity. And this is in no way to take away from that important calling to manifest our unity as much as possible. But, we must never express our unity at the expense of truth. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with Truth. 
how important is truth to you? Do you love it and pursue it? Do you study truth? The Scriptures throughout emphasize the importance and the value of truth. How valuable is truth? Without truth, there is no access unto the Father. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, verse 6. How important is truth? Without truth, there is no worship of God. For God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. John 4, verse 24. How important, how valuable is Truth. Without truth, there is no sanctification, no holiness. Jesus prayed, John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. How important is truth, this objective body of knowledge that God has given unto the church in the Bible? It's this important, beloved, without truth there is no comfort. For Jesus Christ promised that He would send another Comforter, even His Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. John 14, verse 17. The wise king of Israel understood the importance of truth being given to the next generation. He instructed Israel, Proverbs 23, verse 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. How important is truth? Our Reformed fathers understood well the importance of truth as they wrote the questions that are used in the occasion of the public confession of faith. Of the three questions that are asked at the time of public confession of faith, two out of the three questions are focused on truth. The first question, do you acknowledge the doctrine contained in the Old and New Testaments and in in the articles of the Christian faith and taught here in this Christian church to be the true and complete doctrine of salvation? The second question, have you promised by the grace of God to adhere to this doctrine. To reject all heresies repugnant thereto and to lead a new godly life. Why is it that truth was not only so valuable to our Reformed fathers, was 
not only so valuable to ancient kings of Israel, but also, beloved, is important and valuable to you and to me. Why is it that fathers pray that their children will have the same love for truth that they have? Why is it that mothers desire that their children walk according to truth and not according to the lies of the devil? It's this, beloved, is it not? Because the truth that God has given unto us is a living and a powerful truth. It's a saving truth and it's a divine truth. It's a truth that reveals unto us the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's a truth that sets before us who are children of this earth and who are creatures of the dust, the glory and the greatness, the love and the mercy of our Father who is in heaven. It is by truth that God speaks unto us His people. It's by truth that God calls us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. It's by truth that God summons us unto Jesus Christ and works within us a sorrow over the sins that we have committed. It is by the truths of God's Word that God reveals unto us the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we love truth. We're passionate about truth because the truths of the Word reveal unto us God Most High. Now take this girdle of truth and wrap that girdle around yourself. But how are we to be girded with truth? We recognize the difficulty of putting truth on. We confess at the outset that we are by nature Ignorant of truth. Woefully ignorant of it. Children are not born with a mind that is naturally filled with truth. But they must be taught and instructed in the truths. And because of our ignorance, about the truths of God's Word, we stand exposed to the fiery darts of the devil. There are times where we do not even know how vulnerable we are because of our ignorance. And our response may not be in a situation like this, I'm going to trust that somebody else will step up to the plate. After all, that's not really my job, is it? To be the one who knows truth, who defends truth against the lie. Isn't that the duty of the minister? The duty of the elders? The duty of the assemblies of the churches at classes or at synod? 
And so I'm going to take a back seat on this and I'm going to allow others to lead the way here in putting on this girdle of truth. And, and I'm going to show my confidence in them that I'm just going to hide behind them in the day of battle and trust that they have this girdle of truth on. Notice that Paul makes no exceptions here about whose duty it is to put on the girdle of truth. Everyone, male and female, old and young, are called to take this girdle and wrap it around themselves. This is a discipline, putting on the girdle of truth. It's not something that we automatically or naturally do. But it's a spiritual discipline. And I believe it's important for us to acknowledge that, that, that reality. It is a discipline. Otherwise, we can become prone to become very discouraged in our pursuit of truth. We might compare ourselves to others and see the amount of knowledge that someone else has about God's Word and then judge ourselves to have a lesser amount of knowledge about God's Word. And then because we conclude that we don't know as much as someone else, we can become very discouraged and think, well, it just comes more naturally for that person to study truth. It doesn't come so naturally to me, so then we can become defeated and give up in our pursuit of truth. And that's why I believe it's so important that we understand this is a discipline, the study and the pursuit of truth. Even for those who have more natural gifts given to them by God Himself, even for them, the study of the truths of God's Word is a discipline. It's something that we all can grow in our abilities to do. The same with regard to any spiritual discipline. With our devotional life. With our prayer life. With trying to grow in sanctification and holiness. All of those things are spiritual disciplines that God calls us to walk in. And the same is true here with regard to truth. And so how then do we put on this spiritual girdle of truth? We'll try here to be as practical as we can in helping you know how to put this girdle on. And what we must say at the outset here, beloved, is that for you to be successful in putting on this girdle of truth, it must be something that you entirely give yourself over unto. You must be totally immersed in truth. Drink of that truth. Eat of the truths of God's Word. There are three words used here in this text, all of which call attention to the fact that we are totally giving ourselves over unto truth. The three words are simply this, girt 
about with. Girt about with. We are to be girt about with truth. Girt about means wrapped all the way around. Think of a belt. If a belt does not wrap all the way around the waist of an individual, that belt is worthless. The only way that the belt is of any value is if the belt is long enough to go all the way around the individual. And that's a picture here of truth. If we say that we're surrounded mostly by truth, but we have just a small opening here where truth doesn't wrap all the way around us, then that truth doesn't defend us. The devil, he's a smart and a cunning individual. And the devil will find that breach in the walls of truth. And the devil will simply go where there is that opening. And so it's necessary that truth go all the way around us. And then there's that word with. Be girt about with truth. And another way that that word with could be translated is in. Be girt about in truth. We are to live in the truths of God's Word. We are to be in the church where the truths of God's Word are explained unto us. We are not to make excuses about how and why we can miss worship services for church. We are to be in the truths of God's Word. And so these three words then girt about with truth. Teach us that this is going to take all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. A half-hearted attempt at understanding truth will not suffice, but will leave us vulnerable to the wiles of the devil. how satisfied the devil is when a half-hearted effort is given. When the catechism student tells himself or herself, I'm going to quick cram this lesson in last second. It's okay if I don't have every answer perfectly memorized. After all, there's more important things that I should know. The devil rejoices when the father thinks to himself, I'm too busy to lead the family in devotions, to give any sort of explanation of God's Word. The devil is happy. Girt yourselves with and in truth. Do so, beloved, by reading truth. How do we put on this girdle? We read the truths of God's Word. Make it a discipline to be found in the Word of God. Set a time. Stick to that time. And read it every day. It's not going to be easy, but 
make, cultivate those habits. And as you continue in those disciplines, you will find that God will fill you with love for Him. Read not just the Word of God, but read also literature. There's so many good books written by Reformed and Presbyterian writers. Read what they have to say about their understanding of God's truth. How do we do it? Not only read, but also pray. Pray for wisdom to understand the truth. That's the conclusion that Paul himself gives at the end of listing out all of the armor of the Christian. In verse 18, he concludes, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Pray that the same Spirit who inspired the Word of truth be given unto you so that you can be led into the truth. Read. Pray. Follow. Follow truth. By follow truth, what we mean is live according to truth. The more that one reads and studies truth and prays for the Holy Spirit, the more they will find that this truth starts to change them. The truth of God's Word is a living power. And as the Word of God finds entrance into your hearts, it will transform you into the image of God's only begotten Son. And so follow truth by living a life of holiness and sanctification A life of gratitude unto God for the work that He has performed through His Son. Read. Pray. Follow. And then finally, love. Love the truths of God's Word. Nobody can make you love truth. Nobody can force a child to love or appreciate the truths of God's Word. But where man is unable, the Spirit is able. Love it. If truth is merely a doctrine to which we give our intellectual assent, then we are guilty of dead orthodoxy. The more you see that Jesus is the truth, then the more you will love that truth. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah prophesied this of Jesus Christ, and righteousness shall be the girdle of His loins, and faithfulness the girdle of His reins. Isaiah 11, verse 5. 
if Jesus Christ was girded about with truth, how much more so is it not the case that we need truth? The significance of this girdle of truth is this, beloved. It prepares you. It prepares every Christian for warfare in this spiritual battle. Putting on this girdle of truth is the starting point for being ready to go out and fight the devil. We could say it is, putting on this girdle of truth is fundamental in the Christian life. Notice the order here that Paul gives. Paul does not start by saying, pick up that sword and be ready to slay the enemy. Paul does not say, put on that helmet of salvation to protect your head. That's not the starting point here. But the starting point before he gets to any of the other weapons or defensive pieces of armor is put on truth. There must be truth for you to be prepared to use the other pieces of defensive armor. Notice how many of the other pieces are related unto truth. He speaks of the breastplate of righteousness in the second half of verse 14. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's truth lived out. Then he goes on to speak of the Gospel. Verse 15, Your feet shod with the preparation of the Gospel of peace. What's the Gospel? The Gospel is the truth of the good tidings of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Truth. For you to be able to put on any of the other pieces of the defensive armor, You must start with truth. But be encouraged then that as you are given this gift of truth, truth gives you what you need as you enter the battlefield. Truth gives you the ability to identify who the enemy is so that you do not ruthlessly Swing your sword around and hurt or even kill an innocent person. Truth gives you the ability to see the work of the devil who has many methods and great power at his disposal, but truth gives you the spiritual discernment to recognize where he is tempting you. And then, truth gives you the ability to resist temptation after you have identified Him. Jesus, when He was tempted three times over by the devil, responded with 
true. It is written. The truths of God's Word as they live in your heart strengthen you to resist the temptations of the devil. And then, what does truth do? Truth gives you boldness, confidence, as you go forth into battle. Truth gives you to know that you do not fight alone, but there are legions of angels sent by the Lord of hosts Himself who protect you in that day of battle. And truth gives unto you to know that in principle, the battle already is won through the triumphant words of the captain of our salvation, it is finished. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, help us to search for truth even as one searches for a hid treasure. Wilt Thou fill our hearts with love and passion and fervency for Thee? Wilt Thou help us to be children of the light? We pray for, Father, Thy blessing upon us throughout the rest of this evening. Bless the singspiration. Forgive us our sins. For Jesus' sake, we pray this. Amen.